0: This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join.
1: I don't think I'm the smartest. I don't think I'm most well-spoken. I don't think I'm the most intuitive, but I care. I freaking care.
0: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's gonna help you do that and give you not only inspiration but some real life strategies. This is gonna help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to Elysium for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Go to trybasis.com slash dreamjob and take control of your health and learn to live healthier and longer. You can use my code dreamjob and choose one of the six or 12 month subscriptions. That's trybasis.com slash dreamjob and the code is dreamjob. That's one word, dreamjob. Thanks to Latote for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Go to latote.com slash select and enter promo code dreamjob at checkout and they'll give you an additional $25 purchase credit towards your first box. This podcast is also brought to you by FreshBooks. You can try the 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and enter don't keep your day job in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks to Bon Appetit for supporting Don't Keep Day Job. Go to bonappetit.com slash get BA and enter promo code dreamjob for $5 off a gift subscription to Bon Appetit Magazine. In every issue, there are amazing seasonal recipes and latest food trends, a gift that keeps giving all year long. Plus, you'll get a Bon Appetit tote bag. It's the perfect gift set for both cooks and food lovers in your life. That's bonappetit.com and enter promo code dreamjob for $5 off a gift subscription to Bon Appetit Magazine. Hey guys, this is Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am in New York this week still. Um, I stayed an extra few days and, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, we've really enjoyed our time in New York day to day. It's been beautiful weather and gotten to do some amazing things. Um, unfortunately this week, my mom, we were crossing the street, um, not even in the city. We were out in the suburbs. Um, and, uh, My mom got hit by a car and it was so scary. Oh my God. It was so scary. It was so surreal because we had gone that day, earlier that day, we had driven out to Long Island to visit my grandparents' grave. And then after that, we went to visit the house where I was first um, living when I was a kid, where I was born, where I lived, where my parents lived. And my mom was all nostalgic and the two of us were like a little teary-eyed She's like, this is where we built the garden, and this is where your grandfather helped us to build the fireplace, and all this stuff. And and then she said, you know, I wonder if the the neighbors who used to live across the street are still here. And um, we talked to somebody who was walking down the street, and she said, oh yeah, they still live there. And so my mom said, you know, I want to go see if they're there. I want to go say hi. And so she crossed the street and um, she knocked on the door, and um, she said they didn't answer the door. And she was crossing back and um, she got hit by a car. And uh, it was really surreal. You know, she fell and everybody rushed over and it was so scary. You know, I mean, it was like a really one of those moments where you feel like you're you're not really there. You're like in a dream. Um, And a lot of people were so wonderful that came to help. And I felt bad because she had to go in the ambulance by herself because I was with my baby and my four and five year old. And I drove behind the ambulance, went to the hospital and thank God, thank God, you know, she's fine. She could have been really, really seriously hurt. She fractured her spine a little bit and she had staples in her head. She was bleeding. Um, But she could have been so, so much worse. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's often that we take people for granted. And my mom and I have been having a really great trip. You know, she came out with me to New York to help me so that, I could work and sometimes we could do fun stuff. So we've been doing a mixture of sometimes I'm working and sometimes I'm with the kids and with her. And sometimes I'm taking the two older ones to a Broadway show and my mom's watching the baby and we're taking them to, you know, different stores and having lots of fun experiences. But, you know, it's just, I, I want to, I want to just really be aware of how much I appreciate everybody in my life because we really are so vulnerable and fragile and, the other thing that was really interesting is my mom and I were standing there and we're talking about how, you know, she started out in this house when she got married and my parents eventually got divorced and I felt like it was kind of like being in the middle of a play where, you know, we're looking at this old house, she's talking about, you know, how they started out and she got a little teary because I think, you know, when they started out, they they didn't anticipate that years down the road they would break up and that would cause so so many challenges and there's such a ripple effect. And how hard that was for my sister and I, but I think in her own life, um, she started out, you know, living on Long Island. She was talking all about, you know, her childhood and how much fun it was, and what her father was like and what her mother was like, and how cool they were and how spontaneous they were. And I think she dreamed of doing so many things. And I think she, you know, it's bittersweet to come back here because she has a lot of good memories here, but she hasn't really, you know, for a long time, she wasn't really carving out the time to do the stuff she really wanted to do and later in life over the last few years she started to pursue the things she really loves and she's almost 70 and she started only in, in the last few years to work with an arranger because what she loves to do is sing like sort of old standards and jazz and show tunes and big band songs and she started working with an arranger and they started to play you know like private parties and they'd play at different you know functions and she's having the time of her life. And, you know, it just goes to show you like it's never too late to start to carve out some time to do what you love. And thanks to my awesome aunt who lives in New York, we were able to come out to stay in her house after the hospital instead of taking my mom to a hotel, which felt very strange. You know, she was like, you know, all bandaged up. We came out to my aunt's house in the Hamptons and it's so peaceful and it's so beautiful and it's out on a vineyard. And I'm like so impressed with my aunt because she's doing all this painting now. She used to be a lawyer and she's, she's doing all this painting and she's spending all this time and she's enjoying it so much. And I asked her, I said, did my grandmother, her mother, I said, did grandma ever see, you know, all these paintings? Cause you're so, so great at it. She's really not just good, she's great. And she said, I don't know, maybe, you know, she said, I, Only really started doing it now, and I said you're so inspiring. You know, I said, and how much time do you spend? She's like, I I do it a few days a week. You know, and I just feel like we absolutely must start to do things now. You know, we and we really need to not be so desensitized to the fact that life is so sacred and fleeting. And who knows? You know, you could be just crossing the street and hit by a car. Um, And a friend of mine said. She's so lucky. She said, I know somebody who got hit by a car and he was quadriplegic after that. And it's true. And and the other thing that's true, while life is so precious, is that it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're 48 or 56 or 72. Um, If there's something that you love, you should be doing it. You should be doing it a little bit every day because it's fulfilling and it doesn't have to mean that you know exactly you know, what it's going to lead to, we can sometimes just do things because they bring us fulfillment. They make us happy. And often when we do the thing that we love, if we really wanted to make that into a career, I do believe that absolutely we can. But we need to be more conscientious of our own happiness. We need to have more of an awareness of the, the stakes. And I, I have a rabbi who says to me, there's nothing like a good funeral. And I think what he means is it's a wake up call. You know, and, and I think this week, you know, what happened with my mom, it's a wake up call. These are wake up calls. They remind you that the time is now. There is no time like the present. You are here to make yourself as happy a person as you can be. And the happier you are, the more good reverberates into the world. So I hope that you'll chew on that. And I hope that you'll take out some paintbrushes today or sit down at the piano or bake some you know, delicious shortbread cookies, whatever it is that's your thing. That's what I hope this show continues to remind you to do. Okay, so on today's episode, Jasmine Starr is here and we're gonna talk all about her expertise, which is how to grow your business through Instagram. So I made you guys a cheat sheet, sort of a checklist of everything that she's gonna talk about, which is gonna help you implement whatever she's saying into your actual business, into your actual life, day to day. So if you don't wanna take vigorous notes, go ahead and look at the show notes either on iTunes or on the Don't Keep Your Day Job website, or you can come to the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page. You will find a link to this cheat sheet. You can find it in any of those places, the show notes on iTunes, the show notes at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com, or on the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook page, and go ahead and grab it because this is, this is a good one. This is going to help you take everything that she's saying and put it into your daily life. So, Thanks to Elysium for supporting this podcast. What is Elysium? Well, through rigorous scientific research, Elysium focuses on supporting long-term health. So Elysium's Basis is a daily supplement designed to support long-term health at the cellular level. It's the one daily supplement that your cells need. Basis is clinically proven to increase NAD levels. It's a coenzyme necessary for healthy cell function that declines as we age. You take two each day in the morning. They offer a one-time purchase or a monthly um, and also annual memberships. So I've been trying the basis supplement and I feel great. I feel more energy and it feels great to be doing something proactively. I feel like there's so many things in life that are out of our control, especially when it comes to scary things that could happen with health. And it's nice to be able to take some proactive steps towards towards having better health. Um, right now, Elysium is giving my listeners their first month on basis free. Go to trybasis.com slash dreamjob and take control of your health. Learn to live healthier and longer. You can use my code dreamjob and choose one of the six or 12-month subscriptions. So do what I did. Go to trybasis.com slash dreamjob and get your first month of a six or 12-month subscription absolutely free with my code dreamjob. That's all one word. You can see website for complete details. This episode is also brought to you by Latote. We've talked about Latote's rental clothing subscription service before, but they have a new service with personal stylist pick pieces that are brand new. It's called Latote Select. Pieces in the Latote Select box are about $50 per item, so you get quality fabrics at a very fair price. So I love this because whenever I'm shopping, just like the other day, you know, I'm in New York and I decided to stay longer, so I needed some extra things. I go into the store with my kids and I buy two pairs of jeans. I don't try anything on, and I come home and I realize one size is not mine, it's not my right size, and the other size, it's it's kind of okay. And then I bought two shirts and one of them I didn't really like that much, but because I didn't have the time to try it on. So I love that with La Tote, you can, you know, get stuff brought to your door, you can try stuff, and then if if you like it, you can keep it. If you don't like it, you don't have to. So go to latote.com slash select. That's dot com slash select to start. And you enter promo code DreamJob at checkout and they'll give you an additional $25 purchase credit towards your first box. Once you sign up, you'll receive your stylist selected box within days, order a box whenever you like. You can keep the items you love and you can return the rest unworn You'll only be charged for the pieces you keep. It's that easy. Remember, enter code DREAMJOB at slash select and feel fabulous with stylist selected fashion delivered right to your door. So, today on our show, we have Jasmine Starr. Jasmine is really kind of living proof of what I was just saying in, in many ways. She started out as a, a law student, she was going to be a lawyer. She's a really bright kid. She got really great grades, she was in a great law school. And she wasn't happy, and she went through some stuff in her own family, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. And her mom had a, a a real big life health scare, and she decided to stop dead in her tracks and and not only to be able to be there for her mom at the time, but to really make the most of her life. And she started to work on her photography, which she loved. Well, little did she know, her photography not only grew and grew and grew, um, and she grew a business as a photographer, but she went on to be really like one of the biggest players in the Instagram space. And she's, you know, making a great living just having so much fun and using Instagram. And she's still a photographer, but now she helps people with their social media presence. But she has a lot of confidence. She's got a lot of gumption. She's got a lot of wisdom as it relates to a lot of things. But I wanted to have her on to talk about Instagram because I know a lot of people um, feel overwhelmed when it comes to like how do I build my social media following, but it is something that is so cool. We're so lucky that in today's day, in 2017... You can, right in your own home, you can start to build an audience. You can start to build awareness about what you're doing. You can start to create really cool content and you can start to have a relationship with your audience. And based on, you know, a, a real organic way of doing things, you could build a really profitable, cool business doing what you love. You'll find people um, who will support your work. And I think it's important that everybody sort of picks which social media thing they like, whether maybe maybe somebody likes Facebook more than Instagram or Twitter, that's fine. But um I think Instagram has sort of like been the flavor of the month and I think it's sort of moving over to Snapchat. But I think Instagram has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of traffic there. There's a lot of people there. And I think that especially for crafty people, for people who are in the arts, for people who like to do things that, you know, you can post beautiful pictures of something you baked. You can post beautiful pictures of pottery you made. I think it's a really important thing to explore, and so Jasmine's here today to tell us a little bit about her story and how to grow an awesome Instagram following. So, okay, before we jump into the interview, I want to thank two of our other sponsors, Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting this podcast. The nature of work is changing. As you guys know, the internet has enabled more people to become self-employed professionals and small business owners, more connected, more autonomous, and working in new jobs that could not have been imagined. Today, one in three Americans is self-employed. The trend is growing, and by 2020, this group could be grown to possibly over 40% of the US workforce, but many institutions that currently support the workforce are not keeping up with the pace of change needed to serve them. So FreshBooks is among the innovators who have stepped up and they're providing a new solution for freelancers and small business owners in this rapidly changing market. So for me, I'm not a person with like a ton of systems. And so my you know creative pursuits eventually started to make me a living and not just a little money, but eventually there was a lot of money coming in. And it was so helpful with FreshBooks because everything is automated. It makes it easy for someone like me who's not a numbers person. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash dreamjob and then enter don't keep your day job in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash dream job and enter don't keep your day job in the how did you hear about us section. You can just try it, see if you like it. Thanks to Bon Appetit for supporting this podcast. So I love Bon Appetit. There's so many awesome things in there. I, I think like in general, some of my warmest family memories and even just memories like with friends, like it all revolves around food. Even with my kids, like just today we went apple picking and I said, what can we do with the apples? And so we said, let's, let's look up some recipes. Like, and my, I said, let's make apple pie. My daughter said, well, I don't want to make apple pie. She said, what about apple cake? And then my other daughter said, what about apple cider? So I said, all right, let's look it up. Let's see what what recipes we can find for that. So I feel like it can be hard to come up with fun gift ideas for everyone. And I think that you know, Bon Appetit is something that a lot of people can relate to. It's a year-long subscription. It could be a great gift for a friend or family member that loves to cook. So keep up with the latest trends with Bon Appetit where food and culture meet from cooking and recipes to fashion, travel, design, and more. Bon Appetit has something to feed the worldly mind. Read about the best new restaurants in the U.S. and check out their events across the country. You can also see the best gadgets for your kitchen and look at the latest drink trends. From wine pairings to top smoothies to the beer trends of the year. Best of all, we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. For a limited time, you can give a subscription to Bon Appetit Magazine for $5 off. Amazing seasonal recipes and latest food trends are packed in every issue, a gift that keeps on giving all year long. Plus, you'll get a really cool Bon Appetit tote bag. It's the perfect gift set for the cooks and food lovers in your life. Use promo code DREAMJOB and start shopping now at bonappetit.com slash get ba dot com slash get ba and enter promo code dream job for five dollars off a gift subscription to bon appetit magazine all right now here's my conversation with the one and only jasmine star okay so jasmine star you are here on the show thank you for coming thank you for having me oh this is so much fun so um most of you probably know who she is. If you don't, um, as soon as this podcast is over, you guys should go check her out online and on Instagram because you're going to see exactly why she is just so, so smart and so vivacious and enthusiastic. And her her effusiveness for everything that is bright and sparkly in the world kind of comes through everything you do. So I love everything you've been putting out. I'm so glad you're here. So before we talk about all of the amazing things that you know that you're going to advise creative entrepreneurs about. That's what she does. You guys, that's who you are. That's such a perfect fit. Let's talk about you for a second. You started out doing something else. So tell us about that journey and how it evolved to where you are now.
1: I think this story for me as a professional begins in the ballpark of 2005, when I was in law school. You know, I'm a first-generation Hispanic, first-generation college student, first-generation postgraduate school. Like, my parents are immigrants. We grew up in this extraordinary blue collar you know sub blue collar neighborhood where everybody hustled and we rode the bus to church and we walked to the library my mom didn't have a car it was this thing that all of a sudden i got out of the neighborhood in which i was raised and i just thought well this is what i have to do like in order for me to be successful this is the path that i'm on except um, my mom had a relapse with brain cancer my first year of law school and oh it just my rocked God. my world because i mean it had been like a 8 year battle at that time and the doctors had said her time had come and coupled with the fact that I was so unhappy in law school um, I walked into the dean's office I didn't consult anybody and this is so odd because I have a type a personality and my life was at that point planned in color-coded excel spreadsheets like this is what my life is going to be right. and when and all of a sudden I was like okay we're throwing the excel spreadsheet away because this is it like life changed like in a second and so I walked into the dean's office I was uh, at UCLA on a full ride scholarship, and I just said, you know, I need to be with my mom uh, for medical reasons, and they gave me three years to go back and reclaim my scholarships. And I said, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Well, I was on scholarship, which included campus housing, so if I was no longer a student, I had nowhere to live. And so I called my boyfriend at the time, and I was like, Hey, I just left law school, and he's like, Great, you want to go to dinner? And I was like, No, I actually like left, and can you come help me like move out of my apartment? And he had this wow. beater truck and. Packed up the truck in a day, and I moved back to the one place that I knew, you know, would always have an open door, and that was at my parents' house. And so there I was, 25 years old, uh, walking away from something that was safe and predictable, and I walked up into my mother's room, and I hugged her, and I crawled into bed with her, and I thought this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then the next morning, I woke up in my bed looking at like an sync poster on my wall. It was my childhood (laughs) bedroom. And I was like, oh, my God, what did you just do? Uh, So uh, that brought you into like the first big professional pivot of my life. Wow. Wow. Well, things things worked out for you,
0: Jasmine. So what happened next? How did you grow this to be what it is?
1: Well, the short version is I wanted my mom to see me get married before uh, we thought something awful was gonna happen and so My boyfriend, we had been dating since high school. So we'd been dating like nine years at this point. And he proposed and we planned a wedding in three months. And we got married in Hawaii and we invited like 20 of our closest friends and family. And the doctor said, she's, you know, your mom's not gonna be able to travel. She's not gonna be able to walk you down the aisle. She's not gonna, you know, have her hair and all these things. And against all odds, my mother and my father walked me down the aisle. And it was one of these moments in your life where you realize the fragility of every decision that led you to that moment. And I looked at my mom and I thought she's 50 years old and I'm 25 and... And, oh, my God, like I'm having a midlife crisis. And in in the midst of being such great, a beautiful day, I also I came back from my honeymoon and I was like, I cannot go back to law school. I'm so unhappy. And my husband, my poor newly minted husband who married a hot mess of a woman was like, okay, like (laughs) if you could do one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said, well, I think I want to be a photographer. And he said, okay, but you don't have a camera. And I was oh like, my God. I know, but if I got a camera, I'm sure I can make it work. And I think that anybody else hearing that story would probably be like, okay, sweetie, go back to law school, pat me on the head and be of like, course. you got this kid. You know, you again- UCLA
0: law. That's like a, one of the, it's probably like number 12 in the country. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to be a photographer right yeah. I'm,
1: the, yeah I'm gonna go out and be artistic and I'm gonna be starving and I'm gonna follow my passion and he said something that will forever change the trajectory and he said I would rather see you fail at something you love than succeed at something you hate And oh, he was he is a good oh, guy I, I married like oh. Kathy I married <laughs> out of my league nobody people look at this man they get to know him and he's so sweet and genuine and people are like Jasmine how did you land him I was like no, I don't know not- I don't question miracles, y'all. I don't question miracles. I just go with it. Um, And so (laughs) that Christmas, he bought me a camera. And he said, Jasmine, listen, for one year, just try it. And if it doesn't work, you can go back to law school. Just try it. And I think that with that permission to say, like, fail miserably, fail gloriously. And then see what happens. And in that first year, the business just exploded. I kind of just hustled. I took every single job. I worked for free. I interned. I mean, there I was, you know, a, a law school dropout and I'm interning. I have a part-time job. I'm hustling two things at oh, once, trying God. going out on the weekends. But after that first year of just like grind, um, our first big year, um, not even – gosh, not even a full 15 months. And we had already broken six figures with that new business. That so is was amazing. That is. is amazing.
0: So what it year is that?
1: That transition was between 2006 and 2007.
0: Okay. So in the last 10 years, you've built an empire. How did that all happen? I mean, it's gone from photography to helping people grow their business. So- when did that switch happen?
1: And that happened because, you know, um, the business really took off in 2007. And then in 2009, I was voted one of the top photographers in the world, which is crazy. Wow. I know. I mean, this is from a girl who didn't even know how to put the battery in her camera. I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. And so all of a sudden, people wanted to know, specifically photographers, well, how did you go from Truly nothing So I had No business experience I had I didn't even know Anybody who had a business Like I grew up In a really You know A really tough neighborhood Nobody ran businesses It's not like my dad Had investments You know It was like He was like a janitor And he drove trucks I mean he did Uh everything So People said, how did you get from there to here? And I just started breaking down my process. And in, the, in that pro- in that time, I started realizing I'm good at breaking down a process for a hustler. I'm probably not good at breaking down processes for people who look at pieces of paper as permission. So, you know, like to, to those who go and do that, God bless you. That's amazing. But for people who are scrappy and bootleg and just get out there and get messy, I'm probably going to be a great evangelist for you. And it was like talking about systems, specifically growing a business without having any money, without having any resources and yep. I started off with a blog and this is back in like 2006 2007 when blogging was like the thing and then anytime a new platform presented I just dove right in. I said let me see how I can figure this out. So blogging turned to Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and I just dove God. head first and I learned how to Self-made! Not...
0: It's amazing! You did it was all exciting!
1: <laughs> it was exciting! I mean here's the thing and we can look back and one of my best friends, um, Brene Brown, she's not really my best friend but let's just pretend, she refers to this As gold-plated grit, we can look back at really hard times in our life and say, oh, geez, like it was so hard, but I got through it. But we're like taking out a decade of a lot of hurt, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of ache, a lot of pain. And I think that what blogging and videos and social media – allowed me to do was really be open about that, really be open about my failures, having to make public apologies, having to go back on my word, having to say, like, I messed up. Or at the same time, on the opposite end of the spectrum, wow, I just got this award. Or, oh, this worked really well. Or, oh, this right. launch read did amazing. So I, I really, really try my best to bring people on the journey and, and not have gold. plated I don't want to look back and be like, it's so easy for me. I wake up and my hair is done and I shower before I 5 right. p.m. Like, no, that doesn't happen most days.
0: Well, you are stunningly gorgeous. So it's hard to believe that you don't wake up looking like that. But okay, I'll believe you this time.
1: Well, um, I, I, I'll, I'll thank my mom on your behalf. And actually, that's a good news, Kathy. My mom is still here with us. So, I what mean. What are you talking about? That's yes, amazing. yes, yes. She is like my go to. I mean, the woman is a fighter. Everything I know about fighting and hustling and oh grit, I've God. learned from her. Yeah, that it's amazing.
0: The, that is the best. Ending to that first (laughs) part of that story, or hopefully the beginning of just more. Yeah, she's my compass. Yeah, I'm blessed. That is awesome. Okay, so you said um, a couple minutes ago that you're so good at sort of breaking down the hustle for hustlers, right? So let's break that down a little bit. So many people listening to you, especially if they already know you, and if they don't, if they've gone and they've checked out your Instagram and they went to your website – they're immediately blown away, and they'd love to have an ounce of that success. And if I'm listening to you and I have a business, I want to create a fashion blog, or uh, I want to make pottery, or I want a, a chain of coffee shops, what are my first steps?
1: And number one, I want everybody who's listening right now to bring out a pen, a pencil, yes, those old things that we used to use back in like the early 90s, <laughs> and a piece of paper and write down three words. Okay. I am enough. That's it. Uh-huh. The first thing that you do, because everything against like we're scientifically programmed, truly to whenever we approach something new, whenever we do something scary, whenever we something we have to teach ourselves, our brain is hardwired to say no, 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 no. Go with what you know. We're hardwired as humans to stay what's safe. But the minute you give yourself your, the permission to say. I don't know what I'm doing, but in this moment I'm pursuing it, and in this moment I am enough. No, I could look at everybody else who has fashion blogs and pottery and, and real estate businesses and make jewelry who are better and more successful, have smaller waistlines, have more money, have parents with investments. Yes, they exist, but in this moment I am enough. Not for everybody, but I am enough for at least one other person. And I believe that. So that's the first thing. But I think secondly is once you understand one, I am enough, two, you have to ask yourself, who am I trying to serve yes the biggest, the biggest mistake that I see so many entrepreneurs is they say like I am for everybody and Like no sweetie you're not and the minute right. you try to be for everybody you become nothing to everybody and so it's like to understand that there is a group of people you are uniquely qualified to serve and I come from a school of thought that it is more better more better wow I was also homeschooled Kathy and I know how to <laughs> spoke English um it's also better it is also better to talk, connect, help, serve two hundred people than trying to get two thousand people interested in what you're doing and that's like an that's offshoot of a dale Carnegie quote and th- but here 's the thing Dale Carnegie knew what the heck he was talking about back in the day. This is far before social media, and he said he even had a smaller number. He said like you know, be interested in two other people than trying to get two hundred other people interested wow. in you never
0: heard that that's so small. Oh, Oh, and
1: I, so I, why I, does I, that
0: work? Why does that make sense?
1: Well, because those people become your evangelist. You don't have to tell other people how great you are. Two other people are telling their friends how great you are. And then their friends, when they see how great you are, will tell their friends. So it's this pyramidal structure, which works so profoundly on social media. So often what I see is these business owners talking about how great they are. Oh, the vacation that they're going, the cappuccino and pears that they're sipping on and Oh, their product's on sale. Their product comes in green. Their product's at a pop-up shop. So it's a series of commercials about how great they are instead of saying, this is how great I can serve you. This is how great my product is at helping you. This is how great my product is empowering you, educating you, uh, diminishing a fear. And I think that when you genuinely care about the people you are serving, your business grows like wildfire.
0: That is awesome. And it's amazing how when you're more interested in serving, boy, do things come back. And it's so clear. It's so clear that that's your whole being. I mean, that's what you're all about. And so I'm not surprised that it just comes back and and it's like a volley back and forth. So you have an amazing blog. Um, Also your Instagram is just stunning. It's beautiful. So I want to ask you a few specific things. So one of your blogs uh, featured posts is how do you grow your social media following? That is something that everybody would love to pick your brain and ask you.
1: Well, let's niche this down a little bit because a lot of the same principles apply across all social media platforms. Perfect. So I'm going to pick Instagram because right now it's the flavor of the month. Although yeah. I'm really, really not particularly uh, connected to any social platform, wherever the attention is there, I will go. There was okay. a time where I was so hurt about blogging, kind of like losing momentum and steam because I developed such a ardent tribe of readers. And then I was like, no. And then I realized, girlfriend, you can cry about the past or you can run into the future. So I choose to do the latter. So um, right now, now we'll talk about Instagram and so I definitely think that there's this key importance when it comes to growing your following is to one be consistent and I know that that sounds so simple but people will always find excuses like I don't have time I don't know what to say I don't have a photo those are the three things I hear the most but (laughs) you can't grow something you're not paying attention to Mm. And Good that's point. going to be very, very, very powerful in understanding that you have to be seen. And so if we get this from like a technical perspective, algorithms are based on a myriad of things, some of which we know and some of which we don't know. And we don't know exactly how they're weighted. But one of the key components that has been very open on Facebook and Instagram is this thing called inventory. And inventory is just the stock, quote unquote, your photos, videos, captions, your updates that are on hand for these social media platforms to show. If you are not creating inventory... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anything that's algorithmic in nature has nothing to show. So you can't complain that you're not growing if you're not creating content to be shared, read, tagging their friends and things of that nature. So consistency is definitely number one. And number two is to understand that the content you're putting out on social media it should really be targeted to a, a select group of people. Like you want to be known for something. So there was a time on Instagram where back like in the 2014 where I was like, I can post anything on Instagram. <laughs> and like 30 seconds later, I was like, I can post anything on Instagram. It became extraordinarily overwhelming the minute that I created categories for social media. So I suggest entrepreneurs to create anywhere from 9 to 12 categories that they become known for so that when somebody goes to an Instagram grid, they can see 9 to 12 categories repeated throughout the grid to have a better understanding of what your business provides and who you are.
0: Okay, give us an example of what you mean.
1: Okay, so for instance... When I was a photographer, I wanted to make sure that when people came. Well, I am. I'm always a photographer. I will be a photographer. I'm not pursuing growing that business at this time. So I'll say was mm-hmm. and is in that in mm-hmm. that sense. Mm-hmm. So growing a specific photography business, I needed to make sure that nine to twelve categories uh, really pertain to the thing that I was shooting. And there was a time where the only thing I shot were luxury, high end, international weddings. So if that's the thing I wanted to grow, then that's the thing I miss show. So. Got it. Three of my 12 categories all pertained to international work, like environmental things, like, oh, here's like the um, St. Mark's Piazza, and here is, you know, an Italian vineyard, and then here's the bride getting married at that Italian vineyard. But now, since I've transitioned more to teaching entrepreneurs how to grow social platforms, how to build a personal brand, what people see, and I know it sounds silly, but a category for me is coffee. So, one of my 12 categories, every time you go through every 12 photos, you will see a cup of coffee in some way, shape, or form. Another one of my 12 categories is my husband and my business partner he's also you know it's crazy we both taught ourselves photography at the same time so I'm very lucky to have married a kind soul who's also very creative so I I use this specifically I incorporate him yes because he's a great guy and I married out of my league but because we are business partners (laughs) but the business is my name I want to make sure that when he's responding to emails this isn't like a sideshow he's an equal partner to what we do and so it's all really strategic the the quotes like uh, not one of my 12 categories is a quote an inspirational quote so As you go through, you will start seeing strategically what I'm doing to point back and highlight my business without talking about my business. Because if I were to always say, my business partner, my business partner, my business partner is great, but I wasn't visually showing that or communicating or talking about the roles that he played in the business, I would be doing that as a disservice like and if I was creating jewelry, one of my 12 categories should be, well, where do I source my jewelry? Where do I make it? What does my workshop look like? What are the packing supplies of this jewelry? So you're creating mm. a narrative without saying uh, things Beautiful. are on sale, things are on sale. So we're getting into the psychology of what is working visually. Oh my god on social so media. Good.
0: I've never heard this before. That is awesome. thank you. Thank you. So there's something that I've been finding more and more that has been working for me um, is doing Facebook Live. Why is Facebook Live so important and how do you use that to grow your business?
1: Well, first and foremost, from a very practical perspective, the gods at Facebook have determined that video is king currently on Facebook. So they have rigged the algorithm to favor video. And not all video is weighted equally. Live video is indexed even higher than a highly produced video. So for instance, as a tangent, my God, I'm going off here, but I'll make this super quick. I'm a firm believer in testing. Like I said, I was homeschooled. So my mom gives full creativity to test and invent things. And so it just kind of carried on into my business. And I create A-B tests. So I created this, uh, an opt in, right? To grow my newsletter list, I talked about creating an ideal client profile. Well, I hired a videographer. We created this three minute, beautifully shot, lit video of me talking about how to do this. Yeah. And it was fine. I posted it. it, got great, you know, got the average amount of organic reach. And then one afternoon, I decided to hop on in a baseball cap in my living room. And I talk about this. The video ended up going like 25 minutes. And the organic reach on that was insane. I think it has over 100,000 views. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the heck happened? Well, one, it was indexed higher in the algorithm. So that happened. So that helped. But the organic reach amplified because of the the interaction that it was getting just naturally from people. So there's that. So I started seeing a pattern in this and I decided to have an experiment, my gosh, back in June where I said for six weeks, I'm going to show up once a week, every Wednesday, and I'm going to uh, teach a piece of content. Yeah. And I'm going to teach for 10 minutes. I'm going to do 10 minute Q&A. Well, it ended up being like really good. And I said, the seventh week came around. And I said, well, but it's so, it's so hard to create 10 minutes of content and then try to be on and whatever. And so I was like, well, the seventh week, let's do something called an ask me anything. And the ask me anythings did just as well, if not better than me spending time to create content because I was speaking to my tribe. I was understanding where they were. And I have continued since then. I haven't missed a Wednesday. So for months, because what happens is the organic reach every single week, It outpaces what we did the week before. People come to get used to it. They tell their friends about it. And it's been such an anchor to my page to where like, you know, it feels like Facebook pages are now like these death zones, like Death Valley. Like there's like a tumbleweed rolling through your Facebook page. Well, that's because you're not creating content that's playing favorably with the algorithm. What worked last year is not going to work this year. So uh, I've understood that Facebook Live is where it's at. And I think I'm God willing in November, I'm going to try to go to twice a week because it's played such a big factor in my growth.
2: Do
0: you think that should be on your Facebook page or in a Facebook group?
1: It depends on what you're trying to do with it. So for instance, I highly, so every time I do a Facebook Live, I will have various resources for people to opt in because I'm doing strategically. I'm not really doing it for kicks and giggles. I'm doing it. So how can I connect with people on a deeper way and find yes. ways to serve them? So I'm talking about various things. So when people ask me questions about, oh, how do I do a Facebook Live? Well, I have an opt-in for that. Or Jasmine, how do I have Instagram tips, tips and tricks? Well, I have an opt-in for that. Jasmine, how do I create my ideal client profile? So I'm always sending people with a reason. And so in that perspective as getting garnering freely leads, I'm going to do that on my Facebook page because that has like, oh, you know, 200 and I don't know, 10,000 people on it. So I really yeah. want to make sure that I'm growing my list in, in a in a new capacity. Now, when I'm selling a very specific product, I will create a Facebook group so that people can hear more from that. So then I'm not bombarding my page with people who are just like, oh, she feels like a commercial. So for instance, I have an Instagram <laughs> group. Now, I only open that a few times a year because it's like I have an Instagram challenge, seven days to revive like your Instagram account, have a plan Instagram. And so that group opens, I'm in there for two, three weeks solid, answering questions, doing Facebook Lives, Uh, and I'm in there a lot. Got
0: it, got it, got it. Um, This is a question that comes up so often. Uh, So you have a blog post that says, how can my business stick out in a saturated market? And one of the reasons I think this is such an important question to just spend a little bit of time on is because so often... People don't even start their business because they feel there's too much competition. So how can you get past that? And what are some tricks? How can your business stick out in a saturated market? Let's face it, we're completely saturated.
1: Okay, so when I started my business, my first business as a photographer, I looked around and I said, my God, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are trying to do the thing that I'm doing. And That's right. <laughs> they have better cameras, they have nicer computers, they have better lenses, they have more memory, they have more money. Like So I listed what I call liabilities, everything that I thought was going to hurt my business. And then I said, okay, now it's time to list my assets, things that would empower my business. And the things that I listed were my age, I was the age of my target clientele, I listed my name because I thought it popped off line. I listed me. And so when I mm-hmm. juxtaposed the liabilities and the assets, I realized that in order for me to level the playing field, I couldn't depend on my skill. I couldn't depend on a diploma and I couldn't depend on money. I had to say what what I am bringing is me and what you are ultimately hiring as a purveyor of my service is me. And when you come and this is parlayed into my other businesses, I have an Instagram course, I have a social curator, I have a Facebook page. What I'm providing is a division of me. And anytime that I want to compete on education, I will lose. I don't think I'm the smartest. I don't think I'm most well-spoken. I don't think I'm the most intuitive, but I'm, I care. I freaking care. And I think that that's what people see. And when you can go into your business and understand that your competitors are better off than you, then get over it and then say, I care. I will work harder. I will provide a better experience. I will stay up. I will ensure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted. That's the emotional perspective. But let's get into this like like, a, from a numeric perspective. Yeah. I had an Instagram challenge back in October. And at the time, there were 500 million Instagram users. And as I was going through my content and I was freshing up the challenge, we're going to be launching Challenge in like a week. I noticed, and I was doing some statistics hunting that Instagram now crossed over the seven hundred million mark. So in less than a year, two hundred million new users oh got onto a single app. Not including that there's over two billion users on Facebook. So wherever you come in on the juncture, there are new people looking for people to follow. So it's it's not like as if you're going to be competing head to head with people. No, it's an ever changing. It's a current in a river. Hop in, go with the current and find a way to stick out.
0: That's awesome. So one of the things that comes up all the time from listeners is they will say, all right, so sometimes I get inspired and I take a few steps forward, but- how do you stay inspired? How do you stay in it when it's so easy to start to feel overwhelmed, especially when you've tried something and oh, I don't know if that works so well or I'm not sure if it's working or I'm not getting that immediate sense of satisfaction from you know, seeing my, you know, my revenue go from zero to six figures in three weeks. How do you stay inspired,
1: Jasmine? I've learned to approach things from first an emotional perspective because that's like kind of the root of wh- where our thoughts derive. And so emotionally, I always go back when I'm feeling really just dry, like my creative well is dry. I go back to my why, like my purpose. And my why and my purpose is to empower even if it's just one small business owner, entrepreneur to build a business and live a life they love. Because I approach every podcast, every interview, every conversation with such a level of humility, because I understand that you and I are having a conversation. And if we impact just one person, that one person could start a business that is a charity, could start a business that funds cancer research, can start a business that revolutionizes, you know, Detroit, Michigan. There are things that we can do that unbeknownst to us are happening. happening on the outside of us. And so I think my why is to impact one. And if I can wake up and I understand that I am impacting one who can make a difference in the world far beyond the, my, my scope of my imagination, it kind of gives me like a nice pep in my step. But actual practical things have become creating patterns within my life. Like because of, you know how hard you work creating this podcast. It drains you, I'm sure. It gives you life, but it also drains you in a lot of capacities. And this is the creative process. And so every morning, I'm an early riser. It's so annoying, I'm sure. But I wake up around 430 every morning and oh I stretch God. and I meditate and I pray and I read and I take a bath and I found that like reading really helps level uh gratitude journaling and I know that that sounds like really deep and like a really fancy life it's like gratitude journal takes me like five minutes like it's writing down things that I'm (laughs) thankful for things I need to work on and to be able to revisit that like years I've now done it for now three years and so I have three years of archive stuff that I'm reading and I'm like wow like life is good Life is so good and every time that I thought it was like the worst time it was the predecessor to something really great in my life and to see that pattern whenever you feel uninspired or really tired is a powerful thing and then lastly give yourself grace you know eat the ice cream go to independent movies walk through museums take a blanket and read on the beach like do things that you think that you're going to do in retirement yeah, now that's beautiful and it really does like fill your mind in a very different way
0: that's beautiful the other thing that comes up from our listeners all the time is people are saying you know this all sounds great, but I don't have any free time. I have three kids or I you know work a day job or I have this sick parent to take care of. So it's easy for you to do this, but I don't have the free time. And how am I supposed to start a business when I've got all this to do?
1: you know my my dad is a marine. He earned his actual citizenship by way of um, enlisting in the Marines during the Vietnam War. And that's how he earned his citizenship and then later helped his family from Mexico get their citizenship too. And so he's kind of like a rough around the edges guy, you know, and so he uses terminology like from boot camp. And I don't know why all these years (laughs) later, this thing, this saying, he would say, you know what, man, my heart pumps purple piss for you. I never understood what that meant as a kid, but it kind of carries on. When people say I don't have time in the back of my mind, I hear my father in his Spanglish accent saying like, he just doesn't care. Everybody has excuses. And here's Uh, the thing. When you want something, you make time for it. That is something I've learned. And here's the thing. People always say, you don't understand. And I feel like, you know, I don't understand your situation, but let me tell you things I do understand. I do understand what it means to walk away from a secure position and knowing where you're going to be two or three years on the line to take care of an ailing parent. I do know what it means to um, wake up in a room that is doesn't really feel like yours. To get in a jalopy car and work slinging ribs while you're also trying to earn a legal degree. I do know what it's like to have three part-time jobs in order to to, in order to pursue photography on the weekend. I do, as of 2016, know what it is like to run two highly successful businesses and spend some nights crying because you're just like this is yet another night that I'm not going to get the sleep that I need. Not that I advocate that, but there are sometimes in our life, when if I decided to take a sabbatical from photography in 2017, I needed to get all my ducks in a row. I mean this financially. I mean this time-wise. I mean this client-wise. It was this big risk that no one in my family, friends, close group circle, people are like, wait, you're going to put your studio on hold for a year? Do you know what that's going you know to do? Do you know what's going to happen? And I was like, I don't care. I need to light my life on fire. And so that wow. required us, my husband and I, to really make big sacrifices so that this year when I went 100 percent in on just this educational venture, our business has truly exploded. And people say, you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, I don't know your situation, but let me tell you something. I know something really darn close to it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And not to mention, you told us a little bit about how you grew up and then you got a full ride to law school. Like somebody was working really hard while you were a kid and other people might've been watching TV or going to the park. You were working. Like you have had that muscle. You've been doing that your whole life. Absolutely. It's no small thing. So you've already said so many really, truly brilliant things. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given
1: It was during my first year of business trying to get off the ground. I had volunteered to help a photographer. So like I had mentioned, I didn't know anybody in this, like in the photography industry. I didn't even know people who had a business and I had randomly heard from somebody word on the street that a photographer was moving one studio to another. And I just volunteered. I emailed him and I was like, hey, can I come help you like move boxes? And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, sure. I just actually want to be around people like in this (laughs) industry. And he's like, okay. I was like, free labor. And, um... (laughs) One of the things that he had mentioned in passing was jump and the net will appear. And I thought, well, that, you know, that sounds all nice and fancy. You moving from your Newport Beach studio, like jump and the net will appear. But it's true. Like you don't know what you're capable of until you're under stress and duress and then you shine.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really good advice. I want to talk a little bit more about your program and where people can find more information. about Which is the program that you're running right now?
1: Well, it was like a new venture, and this came as a result. We started this conversation talking about, like, the three main reasons people have a hard time um, engaging on social media. And that three pressure points is I don't have enough time I don't know what to say and I don't have the right images to share. And I right. kept on saying this. And as a as a mentor, as an entrepreneur, as a teacher, and then as a friend to a lot of my students, I'm like, I taught you everything I know. What more can I do? <laughs> and I was on a walk with my husband and my dog and I said, what can I do to help them? And so randomly we were walking the dog and one idea led to another. And I thought, what if I created a monthly membership for entrepreneurs to have a monthly action plan. Like every time you wake up and you're like, I don't know what to do today, you're going to have an answer. And uh, we focus so on topics like it, how to use Instagram stories for your business, how to revive your Facebook page, how to find the right hashtag. So every month we're focusing on a component. So we build a foundation to actually do stuff entirely on your own. But before you get there, we also include 15 caption templates. So think of this as like ad libs to teach you how to talk more about your business in a less salesy way. So you're talking about you, you're talking about your you provide, you are talking about what you're doing, but you're also parlaying that back to your business. And you're also getting 15 curated images. So anytime you feel like I don't have anything to post, you can go to social curator and you could download the images. They're high resolution. You can use them on blog posts, on ads, on Facebook, Instagram. So on the first of every month, our our users, our subscribers go into their account and they have a whole new judge. And it's just been so incredible because the thing that I didn't necessarily understand that I see now is that people just wanted to be inspired. So people are now inspired. They have the option to use the photos, but I also include like photo ideas for people to use their iPhone or a camera to go and produce themselves. And people are saying that they use the captions as starting points to actually help them find their voice. So what I thought was gonna be like a DIY solution ended up being an empowering solution, which has just resonated so well with my tribe.
0: That's so cool. Where can people find out more about that?
1: MySocialCurator.com. Okay. My socialcurator.com. That's awesome.
0: So one of the things that I feel comes up is people are listening to this and a lot of people will say, Kathy, Jasmine, I've already tried stuff. I've already been working so hard. It's not working. Nothing's working. I've been posting on Instagram. I wrote a blog post. I wrote 16 blog posts. It's not working. So I, I think I have to give up. What do you say to them?
1: Well, it's probably coming from one or two main veins. And the one vein is that you're speaking to the wrong people or you're not speaking to the right people in the right way. And I think that when you understand who you're trying to serve, you can create content for them. And so when you say like, and it depends on the type of content that you're producing because people say, I wrote a blog post. Yes. But did you write a blog post about how your new product comes in extra small? That's not a blog post. Like you're not, you're just writing a commercial that you're writing copy. You're doing what an ad agency can do. What you want to do is you want to create value with the content that you're creating. It's about where are you sourcing the cotton from your t-shirts? Do you have a charitable organization that you're aligning them with? How to find the right t-shirt? What are the sizing metrics from European sizes to American sizes? Well, you know, fabrications. Why would somebody pay $2 for a t-shirt versus $22 for a t-shirt? How can you create content that highlights your business, but educates, empowers, or helps your readers? That is content that will become shareable and grow your audience
0: that makes a lot of sense so you're saying it's about thinking about your market and how to actually provide some value to them. Is it also cool to just show them sort of like your process behind the scenes? Is oh, that I think it's valuable? so
1: cool. I think it's so, so, so cool. It's so powerful. Oftentimes the things that I feel like a little trepidatious about, like if I show people like, oh, this is me working in my office or this is what I'm taking with me on a shoot or whatever, people like eat it up. Like on Instagram stories, I was shooting headshots for my younger sister and I literally have a white piece of cardboard and I was like, oh, this is what I use to light my subject which makes intimidates me because I feel like I should have this really fancy photographic setup, you know, and I was like, this is what it is. And the outpouring of people being like, you just used a white piece of cardboard for like 2 dollars from Staples. And I was like, yep, you know, and so it's like that kind of connection with readers to like it, it connects you in a real way.
0: Absolutely. I, I'd love to see that stuff. I'd even love to see like what sneakers you have on or where you're eating or what you like or I just it's fun, especially when you, when you like somebody, you want to know more about them. Like you said, you being you, that's the thing that sets you apart. So one thing I'm curious about, cause people ask me this, they'll say, you know, I was working and working and working and things didn't work out. So when do I know when it really is time to give up? And this is something my husband and I talk about. And I struggle with this because I started out as a songwriter. I still am a songwriter and I, was successful writing music for film and TV. And then I was teaching classes, helping songwriters figure out how to get their songs on film and TV. And my husband would say, Kathy, there might just be some people who don't have talent. Like, it's not really fair to say you can teach them this because they might not ever be able to do it. And I, I don't really believe that. Cause I'm such like a, you know, if you, if you dream it, you can do it kind of person. I was like, well, I don't think so. I think if you put in the hustle and the grit, But I did start to realize over time that you do have to know yourself and you do have to realize like, what are your strengths and where do you maybe need to partner with someone else to do this other part of it? But I still think you can get it all done. It's just a matter of being able to have that self-awareness. I'm curious what you would say about
1: that. I wish I could take credit for this, but I read a book by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic. And the particular chapter, she cites how oftentimes creatives, and I think that entrepreneurs are creatives. You are creating something to sell to another person. And she says that so often the pressure that we put on our creative endeavors to fund our dreams and our lifestyle is too much pressure. I teach because I understand that the vast majority of the people who are starting something will be on Etsy, at a farmer's market, at the PTA I do not think that I'm educating the next CEO because the CEOs (laughs) are the 0.001% of those actually going out and doing things. I think that you teaching a songwriter how to pitch and how to create songs is beneficial for them. Whether or not it'll become a career is not our responsibility. We have been called to do the thing we've been called to do, which is to educate and help people. Now, we can't be, you know, like we're not the canon, like you are good and you are not good. I personally look around at people and I don't think that they're all that talented and they're killing it. And on the other end of the spectrum, I look around at people People who are so talented, but they just can't run a business. Like, it's so hard to say why it's not working for somebody, but I do know that creating content and helping other people will empower them to get closer to the thing that they want. Whether or not we will be the gatekeeper or the handholder is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is just to connect with them and help them get there. And then they themselves over time will realize it. But to say you from the outset, like, you know, kid, you, you don't got it. Like, that's not my job. My job is to help you get where you want to go. If it doesn't work out for you, guess what? If I taught you photographic components, if I taught you so- social media, if I taught you how to build a personal brand and it doesn't work out for you in the way that you imagine, everything you learned up into this point will help you work wherever you are going. I believe right. that. And
0: that, that is really, thank you for that because that's really reassuring. And my the, the, the corollary to that is if you're on the other side, when do you have to change course? For instance, like I came out to LA, I wanted to get a record deal and I finally got a record deal after trying to be somebody I wasn't and I got dropped from the, from the label. And then I realized that my music was better suited for trailers and commercials and TV shows and movies than it was for top 40 radio. And I am so glad I figured that out because I found a career. But had I not sort of noticed that I would have continued to try to get this record deal, which I don't think was coming. So I guess that's the question is when you are going for stuff and trying stuff, I mean, you've changed course a few times to continue to, to go towards what you really knew is where you shine. So how do you assess that? So you don't keep hitting your head against the wall. If that's not really what you're meant to do.
1: Well first and foremost Is to be fair Like give yourself a, a time Like people want to put like If it doesn't happen in six months And I was like boo Nothing happened right. You don't even You can't even lose like six pounds In six months Like I can't <laughs> You know I mean Stuff takes time But like the the key component is like a level of self-awareness and I think that's hard because it's like self-awareness isn't like something that I can walk you through like the 10 steps to self-awareness but like truly knowing (laughs) that like I'm doing everything I can I have tried every avenue and then just being like you know what like I've done it all I left it all in the court and it just wasn't enough but guess what you can become a really great number three in a creative company you can become a really great director of marketing for a small agency you can become a lot of things learning on what you did it doesn't necessarily have to take shape in the way that you imagined. And so I think the only thing is like really like self-awareness. Do I, have I seen people stay too long doing a thing that they shouldn't be doing? Yes, but I can't tell them like give up on the dream. Like they're going to come to it on their own. I do hope that it happens sooner rather than later because the thing that we all want more of and just don't have isn't money, it's time. And I think that when you waste time, you know, five, six, seven years and you haven't grown, growth is the strongest indicator that you were on the right path. And this could be growth emotionally. It could be growth financially. It could be growth materialistically, or it could be just growth and happiness. Listen, you might not have made a dime with your career, but you are so freaking happy. Good for you. Good for you. Great. But if you are not richer, happier, happier, have mental wellness and health, like if if you're still the same person you were six years ago and you don't have new clients or you have the same cycle trickle of clients, then it's probably a really good sign that you can spend your time wiser somewhere else. Yeah,
0: that just makes good sense. All right, so to sum up, what's your advice to everybody who's listening right now who has something that they're really passionate about and they'd love to see that grow and they're just not there yet?
1: Sometimes I look back and I think to myself, In 30 years, what am I going to look back and tell myself now? And so instead of me trying to act like a wise old sage and give advice that I don't really have, I'm just going to (laughs) talk to the audience the way that I'm talking to myself 30 years in the future. And that would likely be, everything will be okay. Make the decisions, learn from the mistakes and learn from the successes and continue running because no matter what, it will be okay.
0: great advice
1: okay where should we send people to where can people find you well on all social media platforms you can find me at jasmine star i do most of my talking on social media my uh, my inbox i can't stand email but girl you will find me on instagram chatting it up Uh, all social media (laughs) at jasmine star and also you can check out the website mysocialcurator.com.
0: awesome jasmine you are a force and i am so happy that i got to soak up your your energy today so thank thank you you so much for being here it's been
1: an honor thank
0: you well that was really fun i felt like that was both inspirational and also just really practical advice um a lot of things that jasmine said i've never thought about in terms of my instagram but i'm gonna start thinking about that so here are some takeaways number one you are enough don't avoid pursuing something just because you don't know it Number two, it's better to serve two people instead of trying to reach 200 people. When you genuinely care about people you're serving, your business will grow like wildfire. Number three, identify nine to 12 categories that pertain to your service. Give people a better understanding of what you do and who you are. Number four, you don't have to be the smartest and you don't have to be the most educated. You just have to care. Number five, give yourself grace. Do the things you think you'll do in retirement now. Number six, jump and the net will appear. Number seven, highlight your business without talking about your business. Don't just say that your product is great. Tell your audience how it will help empower and educate them. Number eight, growth is the strongest indicator that you're on the right path. Number nine, make the decisions, learn from mistakes, and learn from successes. Keep running because no matter what, it'll be okay. Thank you guys for listening to our show. Come join me on Instagram at kathy.heller. It's Kathy with a C. And come join our Facebook group at Don't Keep Your Day Job and you can find us on Facebook. I hope that you guys continue to do what makes you happy and remember how precious this time is every single day. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
2: Walking on the beach, just you and I. smelling at the kite, dancing in the sky. Take a picture, hold it in my mind. Holding your hand as we cross the street. Feeling every pulse of your heartbeat. Another moment I wish I could feel.